Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a mental health professional, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional on the Still Trippin' podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Still Trippin' Podcast. And in case you're wondering, yes, we are still trippin'. But I got some new people who are trippin' with me today. And I'm going to introduce them in just a moment. Uh, but to start off the podcast, thank you for listening to the podcast. And thank you for following us on social media at Still Trippin' Podcast. Um, Instagram, Snapchat, wherever you like to get your social media fix from, we're going to be there as Still Trippin' Podcast. So follow us there. But without further ado, I want to get into introducing my guest to you today. And because my female guest pointed the male guest, I will introduce her first because that's how I roll. And my first guest is... Hi, I'm Quincy Swap. And my second guest is... John Paul Baggett. And if you notice, Quincy has a last name that sounds a whole lot familiar to Heidi Swap. And for those teenagers listening... That name may not mean a lot to you, but if there's any parents eavesdropping on this podcast, I know you guys are listening, parents. I know you guys are on the on the down low, creeping on the teen podcast. It's okay. It's not your podcast. We'll allow you listen. Just, you know, just keep it to yourself, right? Don't be going to your teenager and telling them all the stuff you learned about a teenage podcast. Just keep it to yourself. But for those parents listening, you might remember that name swap from Heidi Swap. Now, my guest, Quincy Swap, may or may not be her oldest firstborn daughter. I can confirm that, Okay, yes. she is. I wasn't <laughs> sure if she wanted to be that, you know, you know, break confidentiality. No. I got with me um, Heidi's daughter, and I'm really excited to have you on the podcast, Quincy, because now you get to tell your side of the story from all your mom's stories, because, you know, there's always two sides of every story. Super true. But on the serious tip, I'm excited to have you on the podcast, not to narc your mom out and tell other people other secrets about your mom, but mostly because you and I met through very horrible circumstances, just like you, you know, your mom and I met, you know, simply because I was your brother's counselor, but you and I really didn't meet until after your brother passed away. And JP over here, um, his family is family friends with the swaps. And so that's how I met JP, but maybe throughout the podcast, JP will share how he and I have gotten to know each other more than just Instagram friends. <laughs> I don't even know if we're our friends. Are we friends on yeah, Instagram? We are. Okay, we're, okay, we're friends on Instagram. <laughs> I showed you how much I get on Instagram. Point is, we know each other in some other ways, so maybe JP will feel comfortable sharing that. If not, it's okay too. But um, So we're here, Still Tripping Podcast, episode number two. The two young people that I chose for this episode, and you'll get to see a pattern in our podcast where I pick a couple teenagers, I go pluck them off the streets, I have them just sit here and freestyle for you, talk about whatever they got going on in their life. I'm going to ask them some questions. They're going to give me the looks like, are you seriously asking me to answer this question on a podcast that maybe thousands of people, definitely thousands of people will be listening to? So not to freak them out anymore (laughs) or get the nerves up any more than it already is, let's get started. So, JP, uh, I kind of, well, I already shared a little bit about um, Quincy, and she'll talk about her situation with her brother, but most people might be more familiar with the passing of her brother, um, Corey. 
So let's start out with you, JP. If you wouldn't mind, just share with everybody, you know, something that's happened to you very recently and not just you, just your community, your friends, your football team, and a lot of people. Um, and JP is, is a very respectful young man. And because what he's about to talk about is something that happened very recently, know that JP is saying this with the utmost reverence and respect for all the people involved, but he is very brave enough to come on here and talk about what happened and also how it's affecting him and, and his peers at his school. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just after Christmas, my, uh, my friend had passed away and not only does it affect, uh, you or your, your closest friends, but everybody, some people that don't even know, uh, that know him. And it's really hard because no one really knows what to do at first. And everyone's scared. Everyone's nervous. No one knows how to comfort people. And no one really even knows how to comfort themselves. Um, I think it's really tough because we want to help people and we can see that people are hurting, but there's really no words or no actions that can really comfort people at that time. JP and I have been talking a lot, um, as most of you know out there, if, if you didn't know this about me, besides the fact that I'm the host of the podcast, I also talk to people about feelings for a living. Some people call it a counselor, therapist. I'm a coach for some people. But at the end of the day, I talk about serious stuff, deep stuff with a lot of people. And so after this had happened, um, JP hit me up and he shared with me you know, about the passing of his friend. And I didn't tell this to you right away, JP, but I want Quincy to, to weigh in on this because she's a little bit of an expert at this and not saying expert because she wanted to be an expert at this. But when you're watching all your friends and, you know, obviously your friends, parents and people around you who are struggling and like you said, you don't really know what to do. Everybody's hurting, but no one really knows how to talk about it. Sometimes it's easy to get into the position of savior or get into the position of Hey, I've been through hard things. I can help people go through hard things. And then you're helping them. But sometimes you forget to help yourself. So have you found, JP, that that's kind of been something you've been trying to figure out as of late? Oh, for sure. I mean, I'll try to help everybody and try to fix everyone that's broken. But at the end of the day, you got to work on yourself as well because you can only help people so much without helping yourself. And, and that sounds great, right? Right. But how easy has that been for you? It's not easy. It's one of the hardest things ever. Quincy, why don't you weigh in on this a little bit? Because I know she's sitting here smiling. Cause... Just because I know JP and I know, like, I just, I knew instantly when the incident happened that it was going to be super hard for him and his friends to, like, him and his, like, community just to kind of get through it and stay strong together and all stay, like, kind of there for each other. And I knew that, like, as caring, like, as a person as John Paul is, like, it's so hard to, to, help others more than yourself in that kind of situation. Like that's how my mom was. That's how everybody in my family was when we had our incident. And so it's not, it's not an easy thing. And it's something that you never get over, honestly. Do you want to low, and maybe you thought this maybe didn't, did you low key want to be like, okay, here's what you need to do. You're going to first try to save everybody, but then you can't. And then like, did you kind of like totally want to like break it down for him? But <laughs> I totally did. He would text me and, he would just, he would kind of tell me like how he was feeling or like he would be texting my mom and they'd be talking about how like him and his friends are feeling and stuff. And I was like, all right, well, here's the deal. You're not going to want to eat for the next couple of days and people are only going to want to take you out to lunch or only want to bring you food and you're not going to want any of that. And you're just like, 
you're going to feel like just super heavy for a really long time. And that's, I just wanted to give it to him straight so that he could know like what he was dealing with and that it doesn't get easier. And with having so much compassion and all the compassion that he does and how empathetic he is, that it's not going to get any easier. And that is a blessing and a curse. Looking back on your situation and, um, you know, I'll just say it out there and, you know, I, I'm really sensitive to, to use words like this, but your brother did pass away from suicide. Mm-hmm. And looking back on what you went through, I mean, I know it's over three and a half years now, so it might seem like a lifetime ago and in some ways like it was yesterday. Yes. But looking back on that, like, what was it like for you? Because I know you and your family got lots of support, but I also know you and your mom were worried for other people because they were worried for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that it feels like, like the incident itself feels like it was forever ago, but all of the emotions and feelings that came with the tragedy are still so fresh to this day. Like me and my family, like I still feel how my heart felt when I first heard about it. Like I can still like feel my heart throb sometimes when somebody talks about it or if I see somebody else going through that thing and it's it's really really hard to find that balance of taking care of yourself and trying to trying to grieve in your own way if that makes sense other people have told me that have lost siblings and lost friends that sometimes it's hard to tell like what are your feelings and what are other people's feelings have you found that out jp oh for sure you don't really know really how to feel either because you don't want to be saying like oh i feel terrible but i shouldn't be feeling terrible but should I be feeling terrible? So it's like you have to decipher what you're feeling and what other people are feeling. And I think for Quincy and I, we both take on other people's feelings and we feel what other people are feeling. So it's really hard for us to be able to uh, keep on feeling happy and trying to keep a smile on our face when we see other people that are really distraught and, and unhappy themselves. So I feel like, and it goes back to us uh, saying trying to help other people. Um, we try to help other people, but it's so hard because we're trying to decipher if we're feeling sad or if we're having a good day or not. And we see other people not having uh, a good day, and it's like we take that upon ourselves. And I think it's good for us to be able to see this and learn from this because having this tragedy happen, we've learned more things than I ever had before about this type of stuff. I mean, it's awesome to see everybody come together from such a tragedy. But for people to just be, I don't know, it's hard to decipher. Like, it comes back to that. Um, you kind of learn more about yourself than about, like, the per- like you learn more about yourself through incidents like these more than anything. Like, I, I learned that, I learned that, like, me and my mom were going to be, like, a lot closer and that, like, it brought my family together a ton and, like, John Paul learned that he was like the most empathetic person in the whole world. It felt like felt like so. It was just you you learn a ton about yourself through hard situations. You know, both of you have said to me in different times talking and stuff like that and just going off what you said Quincy. When you're going through this tragedy, yeah, you learn a lot about yourself, but things just it's almost like things get organized differently in your life. It goes from certain things in your life, like maybe to be a star in football or a star in dance. Like those go from like number one priority to like, if I got time, I'll get to that. Mm-hmm. So what's that like where a young person, because 
Now, remember, you guys are speaking from your experiences, but there's lots of young people out there have lost friends, um, whether it be to suicide, whether it be to other different types of deaths, that it kind of seems like their whole perspective on life changes. I told you know JP when I talked to him and some of the guys on his football team, I said, well, I'm sorry, guys, but you guys just grew up really fast. Like You're not the same teenager you were before this happened. So what do you think about that, Quincy? Like, did it change how you view just life and priorities in general? I think that that was probably the biggest thing for me is that now, now after having all of the tragedy and having to go through everything that me and my family have gone through, I can't like connect with anybody on the same like emotional level or the same like spiritual level just because not everybody's as like emotionally mature as me. And I feel like I've always been told that I was kind of more mature than the other kids at my age, but going through that was just like, boom, light years ahead. And it just kind of like rocket launched me into the future. And I know that that was super, super hard the first like two years. And just kind of this last year, I've been able to find people that I can really like connect with. And I've been able to connect, like connect with myself. And I become like way more independent and more dependent on myself instead of relying on other people and relying on like their emotions to help me like find my own emotions you know so that that's been something that's been super challenging for sure you know even though yours is a lot more recent jp have you found that like certain things just kind of don't mean as much anymore and other things mean a whole lot more than you ever thought they'd mean yeah absolutely i think that life itself uh from the past couple weeks you learn how much and how how blessed we really are to be still alive and go on with our days and there is bad days, but seeing the tragedy that happens after that, that we're blessed to be alive and blessed to be breathing. Yeah, you know, both of you, um, you're very impressive young people in your own rights for, for different reasons. You both have different characteristics and talents and attributes that just make you just cool people to be around. And part of the reason why I wanted you to come on the podcast but also, too, you guys both talked about taking on other people's feelings. I wanted you guys to kind of sh- talk about something. I don't know if it's just me, and that's why I wanted to hear it from you guys. In these past, I don't know, definitely recent years, it seems to me that there's more kids, teenagers, shouldn't call you kids, but more teenagers that seem to be not just dealing with a lot of heavy stuff, but they feel a lot more sensitive emotions than I can remember teenagers feeling in the past. And I'm not saying that teenagers like 15, 20 years ago didn't have hurt and pain for their friends and loved ones. But I equate it partly to with the social media world and the technology world, some people are so disconnected and they don't really know how to have real relationships. But then other people, obviously after a trauma, but other people, they're feeling all these emotions from other kids that are posting random posts like, I guess life's not worth living, dot, dot, dot. Some kids just kind of like, whatever, that's stupid. They're doing for attention. Then other kids like, crap, we, we got to call their parents. We gotta, something's got to go on. And I just see, it just seems to me like there's a lot more empaths or a lot more teenagers that are feeling intense stuff from their peers. I think not the only reason, but I think part of it is because I think we're having such a hard time building real relationships that some kids are just longing for it more than ever. I don't know. What what do you guys think? I think that I see that a lot in like my younger brother. So like 
if you guys know my mom, then you know that I'm the middle of five kids and I've got two older brothers and then two younger siblings. And so the youngest is a little boy and he's 11. I'm pretty sure <laughs> he's 11. Yeah, we'll, we'll edit that part. Of the part. <laughs> She's a great sister. She knows exactly how these continue. He is 11. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he, I see this in him a lot is that him and like around his friends, he just has so much more emotions than them. And so he sees somebody hurting on the playground and he rushes over to help them. And then his other friends are like, bro, what are you doing? Like we're in the middle of a game or something, you know? And he's like, like, well, but they're hurting. I can see it. Or like just that kind of thing. And I, I was talking about, I was talking to some moms about this the other day, actually. And they were saying that like kids have always had feelings. Kids have always felt bad about themselves or felt stupid or worthless, whatever, like whatever you're feeling, whatever you're going through, but everything's kind of more heightened. And I do agree that it's because of social, I wouldn't, blame social media but i want to say that that is definitely a big contributor and it turns up it turns up the volume on all of it yeah i do believe that too because why would i post something bad on instagram why would i show something bad on instagram that's that's my, that's where i'm gonna get hyped up that's where i'm gonna show my i'm wearing my best outfit i'm with my best buddies like i'm not gonna show anything bad on instagram so people from the outside will see oh dude look he's got those new shoes on he's got a nice outfit he's wearing nike like he's looking stylish you know but they never really know what's on the inside. And that's what we have to put on that face of, look, I'm happy. Look, I have a great family. I'm having a good time. And it's hard because no one ever really knows what's going on the inside. And like you said about social media, and like I had said is, I'm not going to post something bad. Like it does happen. Somebody does say, yeah, you know, like life's not worth it. And then like you said, empaths are going to go, oh, no, 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 no. Like we got to worry about this. But like I said, it goes back to, it's hard because people, We'll see that people only post good things on Instagram, good things on Twitter, good mm -hmm. things. You're not gonna, you're not gonna say, "Oh, look, look at my bad outfit. I'm not looking nice today." You're not gonna do that. So you're only gonna want to show off what's good about you. You don't want people to show, say, "Oh, you don't have the nice stuff. You don't have this." You want people to see the best part of you on social media. And I think it's hard to find the like it's hard to find the line between being really real and genuine, and just kind of showing like, this is. I'm like living my best life. I'm having a good time today. And then the next day you're just at your rock bottom. Like it's hard to be genuine and find that balance. Even while you're posting, it's like, you could be <laughs> yeah, totally. inside you're like, oh, I hate myself. I'm so sad. But yet I'm posting a picture of me smiling and happy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so well, yeah. posting is kind of like um, an old school thing to make people feel better has always been retail therapy. Like go buy yourself something. It's like, I got a new hairstyle. I got a new yeah. jacket. But now when you post about it, it's like a little bit of hit, like a little bit of a drug. Like, I don't feel good, but if I post to me with a new outfit, it'll make me feel good from all the likes. And that's true. It does make you feel uh -huh. good. But I, one thing I want to point out that you said that made me think about it, I hear a lot of adults say kids nowadays are soft. Kids nowadays aren't tough. And they talk about how their lives were rough. Well, I prefer to look at it this way. I don't think kids nowadays are softer. I think that the life that they may have been raised in might have had a lot more opportunities and things might come easier to them. So they're allowed to be more sensitive and think about, instead of thinking about just surviving day to day, they can think about trying to live their best life, like yeah. you said. Well, something came to my mind. Think about the combination of more sensitive, it could be compassionate, sensitive, empathetic, sensitive youth that are working harder or more consistently trying to show their best self. So that means when they feel bad, 
and I'm just kind of thinking this out loud, it could mean when they feel bad and they need to talk about when they're not feeling like their best self, they don't have any practice expressing those raw emotions, but yet they're feeling more raw emotions than the generation did before them. Mm -hmm. So that'd be an interesting, not interesting, but that could be a bad combination of having tons of feelings, but only practicing posting the happy feelings, but not ever really having a lot of practice posting the sad ones. And then you, let's say you're depressed or you're going through really hard stuff. How do you start conversations with your friends when they've only seen, like you said, JP, the posts of your new shoes or your fresh haircut? You know, is this making sense? What exactly. I'm saying? Because it's like you're sad. You know, you realize how to talk about your happy feelings, but you don't know how to talk about your sad feelings and they build up. Well, yeah, you don't bigger. get good at doing something you don't practice. Exactly. Exactly. What do you think, Quince? Um, I don't know. I totally agree. I think that. I mean, my oldest brother is so much like this, not to call you out or anything, but his he, name is Colton. Colton, follow him on Instagram. I don't know, single ladies. <laughs> um, if you don't, if you don't open up and you're not capable or like willing to talk about the harder things in your life, then you aren't ever going to work through them, and you're going to bottle them up, and it's going to make it a lot harder to be empathetic with people and to like talk just to be straight up and to tell them the truth and tell them how you're feeling, like. You can joke around and you can say whatever you want, but like, is that what you mean? Just like tell, like tell people how you really feel. And I think it's really important to communicate and express like that. And I feel like sometimes it's really embarrassing to do that. Uh You don't want to, especially with like growing up in football, it's like your coach is always saying, never show that you're tired. Never show that you're, that you're not hundred percent. And it's like inside we're like, I can't show I'm sad. I can't show I'm sad. I always got to be happy. But and like I said, it goes back to being embarrassed about it. You don't want to show people, yeah, dude, like, I'm freaking sad, bro. Like, I am so terribly sad that I don't even want to wake up in the morning. I don't even want to go to school. So I think one of the hardest things, and even to, to tell your parents, like, look, today's a horrible day. Like, I'm, I'm not feeling okay. Like, I'm not right in the mind. Like, but it's okay to be embarrassed. That's how you, that's how you learn. It goes back to you saying, how do you, how do you uh, share those feelings with being sad, you have to you have to be embarrassed. You have to feel, oh, what's the word? You have to feel nervous to be able to to grow with that. You have to be vulnerable. You have to vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. You have to be vulnerable. <laughs> That's my well, word. As you're talking, I'm thinking, okay, on social media, what are probably the most common? If you were to look at posts, what are the most common posts slash comments? Like you know the way people are talking. I would say like their happy feelings, anger, frustration disappointment things that are unfair i think those are the top the common topics specifically like when twitter first came out Mm -hmm. if you guys remember when twitter first came out it was this huge platform of just airing grievances and getting news and it not to say that it isn't still that but as you're talking i was thinking about i'm like you know all those are raw emotions but the vulnerable one that's it's not that it doesn't show up on the different social media platforms but it seems like that is the one that's less explored. So this brings me to this conversation. This is going to seem random at first, but I had a conversation with a mom the other day. She said, hey, Dave, you know, you talk to a lot of teenagers. I got to ask you a question. And so I was thinking she was going to ask me typical questions from here with parents. Like, how come teenagers are always on their phone? How come this? How come that? She goes, what is this obsession with Post Malone? <laughs> And I said, what, excuse me? And if, I can't say this person's name, but if, if you could imagine 
Um, you know the store Lane Bryant at the mall? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, she's very, very nice Lane Bryant outfit. And, you know, okay. she's very, you know. She's not out there at the club she's party at night. Let's put it that way. She's not like one of those moms. She's pretty fancy. Okay? Pretty <laughs> okay. fancy. And so what's this obsession with Post Malone? And I said, well, what do you mean by that? She's like, he's not like the rap I grew up with. And I'm like, you grew up with rap? I'm like, I'm listening because I didn't know she listened to rap. And then she starts telling me, yeah, when I was growing up, because she and I are about the same age, like, it's Dr. Dre, Snoop, and all these party <laughs> anthems. I'm going, well, I don't know this much about this woman. So she started talking about all this stuff. And she's like, yeah, about, you know, the rap was like, you know, about this and that, and, you know, their street life and stuff like that. She's like, what's this obsession? And she's like, all my kids, everyone, like, he's not like hard. He's not tough. And she was just trying to figure it out. So I told her, I said, I'll tell you what, I'll send you a couple links of a couple interviews from YouTube that he's done. A lot of parents want to judge an artist. I remember the big one is when 21 Pilots first came out at a whole. Mm-hmm. We did an episode on our parent podcast about this. Whole bunch of parents were like, I need to get my kid to stop listening to 21 Pilots, blah. And I said, your kid struggles with anxiety and depression. And I sent them a couple links of interviews that 21 Pilots did. And then she's like, oh, now I know why my kid likes him. These guys were people that their kid could relate to. Mm-hmm. They're talking about stuff that this generation is going through. So I sent her some links about Post Malone, but as I was talking to her about it, I said, he is a very interesting version of what these kids are going through. I said, your kids were growing up in a world where if they weren't happy with something, they could type it up and press send. They could get in trouble if they said mean things about their parents or mean things about their school, whatever it was. But for the first time, this was a generation that had a voice that could reach lots of people and they didn't have to ask permission Mm -hmm. to send those posts out. And so I told her that Post Malone, just from what I've learned about him, he's different in the sense that he's talking about his feelings. So in one song, the one, uh, one of the songs where he talked about is like, will you sing it for us actually, David? Please, I will not sing oh. it for any, we don't want to lose Maybe followers. Maybe next time. <laughs> Maybe next time. Everybody's, everybody listening to this, you know, when he talks about, you know, I met your boyfriend, you know, I met your boyfriend, he seems pretty cool. Like, when have you heard a rapper saying, I met your boyfriend and you know, he seems pretty cool. Like, Usually the rap that I grew up with, I understood what the mom says, like, I met your boyfriend, I'll beat him up or, you know, I'd, you know, I'd yeah. shoot him. And usually it's this tough guy stuff, but she was like, that's right. Like, this is kind of our generation. It's like, oh, damn, like, he is kind of handsome. He is kind of cool. And instead of hating on him, he was like, dude, I can't compete with this guy, right? And I'm, not, I'm just kind of putting <laughs> words in Post Malone's mouth, obviously. But the point I was trying to get to this mom is that this is, you guys think that's really funny, but this dude just, he comes from a different cloth, but this is not a different cloth. This is something that a lot of you guys think about. You guys are comparing yourselves to people all the time. I remember young men back in the day would only look at other young men that had a good look or if they're athletic, they're like, screw that guy, you know, I'm tougher than him. But now a lot of times, a lot of young men will secretly be like, dude, I wish I was as buff as he was. Or I wish I was mm-hmm. as attractive, or I wish, you know, I, I was as athletic. So I just want to throw that out there to you guys. We're using Post Malone, obviously, as an example, yeah. but do you think he's kind of representation? Because obviously he's, he's uber popular. The old, a lot of the old school rap artists and old school people in that genre hate him. Like they are not vibing him at all yeah. because they don't relate to him. But why do you think a lot of the younger generation, what do you, I don't know if you guys like him or not, but. Did it make sense what I was saying? And mm-hmm. you see why I said that to mo- your, uh, this mom, not your mom. It wasn't her. But um, what do you think about that? Uh, my mom doesn't wear lame, right? That that's true. That's so true. She so doesn't. I don't think it was her. But. So, so comment on that a little bit. What, why do you think people 
connect with that type of music right now? And um, okay, well, personally, I really like Post Malone. I mean, Post is awesome. Like, how can you not like him? <laughs> but his music, instead of like the hardcore rap that like you're used to on like a hype like game day, you're like, oh, let's get hyped. Like, let's play some like hardcore rap for like while you're working out or something. Like, he's more like, oh man, like. I totally feel this. Like I am falling apart. Like I feel that, or I don't know. He's just he's very very relatable, and he's very vulnerable about his emotions, and he sounds good when he talks about them, <laughs> and he makes really really good and interesting songs that are like more. They have more meaning than just like, oh screw this guy or f this, you know, like money, drugs, all this stuff. Like what other rappers are talking about, when like that's not everybody's reality. That's not, that's not my reality. I mean, so I just think that he's, he's pretty ballsy for being so vulnerable and willing to talk about, willing to sing about and perform about all the things that he's going through. It kind of goes along with what we said. Like if this generation is more sensitive, more like compassionate, more empathetic, the numbers would prove that he actually is a voice for them. Now, granted, he still talks about drunk, I mean, beer bongs and Bentley. I mean, Stoney. Yeah. He still talks about that stuff, <laughs> but it's almost like that's the filler, but the choruses seem to seem, totally. seem to be, and seem to seem, they seem to be <laughs> a lot more vulnerable like you talked about. Yeah. What do you think, JP? Yeah, for sure. And I think it goes back to like us talking about feelings. Uh, we can relate to what he's feeling and how it's okay to be sad. Like he's sad. We're, we're not always going to be the happiest people ever. And I think that's why, like you guys have said, a lot of people can relate to him because he's not hiding what's going on. If you're sad, you're sad. It's okay to be sad, you know? And I think that's what a lot of people get caught up in is, oh, I can't be sad. That's terrible. Like, that's weak. Sad, exactly. I'm weak. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't be sad. But that's part of being a human is, like, allowing us to be sad and, and showing that we, we honestly can be sad and talk about our, our sadness. Do you, do you think on the outside with the face tattoos, he kind of scares parents? But one hundred percent. But yes. <laughs> the youth are like they're they're used to seeing tattoos. Like a lot of your parents didn't grow up with many friends that had tattoos, and not a lot of people culturally in the past ten, fifteen, definitely within the past fifteen years, tattoos went from a random occurrence thing from people in the military, gangs, or that went to prison to now it's like a fashion. Mm -hmm. Well, it's also a way to express yourself as well. Yeah, but. You guys don't really see the face tattoos and that type of stuff. You're, you're listening more to the lyrics. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. I think that it's more like being able to show your weakness and talk about the things that are hard for you and are like making you sad, showing that you're sad and stuff makes you a stronger person. Like it, like the outside picture is like, oh my gosh, like they're sobbing, they're crying, they're having a mental breakdown. Like, are they okay? But since they're able to do that, it shows like how much stronger they actually are and how much more comfortable they can feel with their emotions. And those, those are the people that I think are actually successful. So going back to like talking about the tattoos is our parents are going to look it up and what are they going to see? Don't listen to this. Don't look at this. This is horrible. This is terrible because they're, they're the older generation. They're not seeing, like we said, they're, they're not listening to music, seeing, feeling the feelings. Uh, listening to the feelings and being relatable, being relating to to what they're saying. Like what our parents are saying is, don't look at him, don't listen to him. Like, oh, he smokes, oh, he has all these tattoos on his face. Like, they're not seeing the feelings of it. No, I, I, in 
in fairness of parents, I could see, you know, I talked to a lot of parents, I could see where they'd be like, I'm scared that if my kid listens to this, he's going to be influenced by them. But I don't necessarily think, there's always some wild kids out there. I don't think most people listen to his music saying, oh, I need to get a face tattoo now. I don't think that. That's I don't think that's really think happening so. too not often. No. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at both of you. You both don't have face tattoos on there. No disrespect to Post Malone, but <laughs> that's still not a common thing. You got yeah. Mike Tyson, and Post Malone. Those are the two dudes that I can think of that are popular that have face tattoos. <laughs> yeah. So I like what you said. It's like sometimes, you know, he might be one of those artists that you can either see past that stuff and vibe with the music, or you're going to get caught up on that stuff. But that's kind of a reflection, like what you were just talking about, Quincy. How many people are looking at you or looking at JP? Part of the reason why I wanted these two young people to come here on the the uh, Still Tripping podcast tonight was that you guys look like you're just, you know, good looking, young teens, you know, got a lot going for you. By looking at you, someone would go, mm, yeah, suicide, like her brother died, <laughs> like I can tell. And they wouldn't look at you and think, well, I don't know, have, have you had any struggles in your life? Because we never even got to that part. Yeah. <laughs> couple so bit. if someone looked at you now real quick not little self disclosure wouldn't tell by his shoes little self disclosure what do you think and this might be he's already blushing look at this, <laughs> he's blushing if someone looked at you from the outside maybe i don't know even kids at your high school that might listen to this podcast if someone looked at you what do you think they might look at like see at you first but then kind of share like some things that they wouldn't be able to see easily right and i think that's what we've talked about before is it's easy to see someone that has a, a brace on their knee because they tore their ACL or a sling on their shoulder. But depression's a hard one because you don't see it and it's hard to open up to about. And from the outside, I mean, I got a great family. I have what I want. I have what I need. Um, so you should be great, right? Exactly, everything's all good. Exactly. And that's what was so hard for me is from the outside, it seems like everything is great. And, and why should I be feeling sad? Why should I be having depressing thoughts why should i have anxiety things like that and and that's why it was so hard for me to be able to feel that embarrassment and to open up and be able to seek help because from the outside like i said it's like everything's fantastic what like how do you have depression what's your deal like so i feel like i don't know trying to be vulnerable about things is awesome because you don't want to but once you do and once you start talking about it it just flows like you don't even like it's kind of like this podcast at first we're like uh like i'm not sure what to say but it's like now we're just going with it so i feel like that's how it is with with talking to people and opening opening up about your emotions is at first you're kind of like uh i'm not supposed to be sad how do i how do i not talk about me being sad but being able to tell people about your emotions tell them how you're feeling uh and it just helps yourself it's helping yourself you know would you mind telling that story you told me the other day and I think you just telling the story says a lot about you and, and what you want to be seen as versus what you might be accidentally seen as and the mistakes that can happen. Because people naturally are going to look someone up and down like, oh, he's a jock. Oh, she's this. She's that. Because it's easy when you categorize people quickly, you don't have to think about them. Like It's almost like it makes it easier to check that box. Oh, I know who they are. You're one of those people. And sometimes it's hard to get past that from certain people. But you told me something recently that... Some kids said, kids on your football team said, and they, they grouped you in a group and you're like, wait, what? And you're like, no. And like, for you, it was like, I got to prove to them, like, I'm not that guy. So why don't you tell that story real quick? Yeah, we had, we got new seats in one of our classes and a kid, uh, a kid had said, oh, I don't want to sit here. I'm sitting by the popular kids. And it was just me and my buddies. And that first initial, uh, when he initially said that, I was like, 
I kind of stopped and I'm like, I don't want to be called a popular kid. I don't want to. Well, tell what happened, why he said that. Like, what happened in class? Because this is a common thing that happened in class. The teacher told him to do something and kind of describe the kid. Don't, like, describe, like, his social media handle, but kind of, like, (laughs) just so you can kind of paint the picture for the listener a little bit. So he's a... (laughs) Well, he's a Polynesian kid, and he... From the outside, he seems like he's outgoing, but I feel like... I don't know how to say it. I don't want to say he wants to be us because I... I don't want to, I don't, I don't think of myself as like a popular kid. I don't think of myself as, oh yeah, look at me. I'm on a stage. I, everyone knows about me. Um, but he definitely sees you as different, right? right and right. trust me, I grew up, I'm part Polynesian. I grew up with that whole entire, it's like when you grow up poor and Polynesian, sometimes like that, that fool's a punk, man. They're rich, spoiled white boy. You know what I mean? It's easy <laughs> to have those thoughts. Cause even though I look, you know, not full Polynesian, I used to think that all the time. So, right, right. Absolutely. So I feel like. So um, say what happened in the class, you know, like with the teacher. What the teacher crazy. had said, does everyone everyone good with their seats? Everyone fine? And, and that's when he had kind of said, no, I'm not sitting here like these these popular kids aren't. Oh, I can't remember exactly what he had said. What did I tell you? What did I? You, 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 said, so, you said something like the teacher asked him to sit over there. He goes, no, I don't want to sit over there with the popular kids. Right, right. Okay, yeah. And he said, I don't want to sit there. And he kind of said, why? And he's like, he didn't really have an answer to it. But I... I kind of thought, and I'm like, am I like doing things that make him think he's not cool enough or uncomfortable or uncomfortable? And I feel like I've never been the person to, like I said, I don't want to be on the, I don't want to say, yeah, I'm popular. Like I'm on this big stage. Look at me. And I feel like it's hard because people see me as having my friends. Like, why should he be sad? You know? So it's hard to be able to help people when you don't really know that they're needing help. and it's hard for people to in initially become vulnerable because that is very embarrassing to see, dude, I'm actually sad. Well, now tie that in with, now remember JP is talking right now. You just lost your friend and it, you know, I want to be respectful to the family. I, I don't know if it's, it's quite been determined if it was an accidental thing, if it was a suicide. I, I, I don't know. I can't speak on that. I don't want you to speak on it. It's not us to speak on it, but he is gone. And, you know, the one thing I I can connect you, the loss of your brother and with your friend is that they're both going through painful circumstances. However, it caused him to pass away. There was a pain that was going on. They're saddened by things. So when you heard this young man say this, you told me like that, that, that upset you, didn't make you feel good inside that he would feel that he was different. Because it made you think like, gosh, am I doing something to not make him feel like he's one of us or something? And then with the loss of your friend, why don't you kind of kind of explain a little bit why that might be a little bit, you're a little bit more sensitive right now to something like that happening. Because I don't want him to be able to feel uh, what my friend was feeling and what other people are feeling that are, that are seeking out help. I don't want him to feel like we're cooler than him and he shouldn't be here because of that. And and going back to, like you said, being an empath of wanting to take on what other people are feeling and not even meaning to, um, it's hard because we're trying to help everyone. Qu- me and Quincy, like Quincy and I, we both... <laughs> Sorry, you're not in school. I'm not going to tell your teacher. <laughs> <laughs> we love helping people, and we like to be able to be there and support people. And in that instant, I didn't really know how to feel because I'm like, what have I done? I, I kind of thought, like, what have I done to him to make him feel like he can't sit next to us. And I don't want to be that person like, no, you, you've done things that you're too cool for people. You can't, 
you know, I'm not, you're not going to help me. You're just trying to make yourself more popular. And that's not what's going on. That's not, I'm just trying to make people feel like they're wanted and that they have people there for them. And that was just hard because I, f- I felt his pain that he feels like he's not good enough. Quincy, have you ever had, maybe not the exact experience of, have you ever had those like eye-opening experiences where maybe a friend tells you something where they see you as like on this pedestal and you're like, wait, what? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes yeah. we don't even know how people look at us. And then one day someone's like, well, if I was, you know, you know, super popular, super special like you. And then you're looking at them going, wait, what? Like, what? Yeah. have you had any of those type of experiences before? Um, I definitely have. I mean, I get those like weekly and well, I could assume, especially with your mom being like, you know, yeah, a public figure totally. and people knowing about your family and stuff. And yeah, it's it's a lot. A lot of it has to do with my mom and a lot of it has to do with like drill team. Like a lot of yeah. a lot of people will be like, oh, well, you're just like a drill girl. Like hey, like you, you can't do this or you can't do that. Like, or you, you couldn't relate to someone yeah. going through a hard time because yeah. your life is perfect. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, you're just a drill girl. Or like, I don't know. They everybody always says like, you guys are just drill girls. You guys. We can't talk to you guys or we can't go out to lunch with you guys or can't, I don't know, like people just, I feel like really, really categorize me and my, like some of my friends into that, into like our own group. And then they assume that we don't want to talk to them. They assume that we don't want to be around them or that we're too good for them, that we can't talk to them or, or a lot of people like will come to me like with their problems and be like, oh, well, I know that I can talk to you about this because of your mom. <laughs> I know that I can talk to you about this because of what happened to you a couple of years ago. Like, and I'm, and I'm more than comfortable with like being able to talk about it. And, but I don't want people to think that like, it's kind of like what you said earlier, that I'm an expert in it and I'm not at all. I mean, I still have so much to learn, but like, just because I've gone through this, I'm more experienced than other kids in this area. I saw you nodding your head when you're saying, when you heard JP saying like, what did I do to make this kid feel this way? Mm-hmm. From what you're saying is you definitely, you want to go out of your way to make people know or to let people know that you're a chill person that they could relate to, even though you may have different music types or likes, maybe you dress different. You don't want someone to like put you in a category that you're not a real person yeah. simply because certain things, football, drill, like there's certain things in high school, especially you guys go to big high schools that the majority of people aren't in those clubs. Mm-hmm. and help with you know it helps when you're following people on social media but even before social media came about the popular kids tend to be the people who do things that get lots of attention like sports and stuff yeah so is it safe to say that you know any chance you get you you enjoy proving people wrong that you're not that person that (laughs) that can't relate but you're actually down for them that's why sometimes like after drill if i'm just like wearing sweats or like leggings to school i'm like well I'm a real person, people. Okay, <laughs> I don't, I don't get dressed. I look all nice after drill because I am tired and I don't want to come to school today. Or like, just sit. And like, that's that's a real thing things. for girls too. Totally. Like, it's it's this weird thing. Like, I hear women say this all the time too. It's like, yeah, I just rolled out in my pink pajama sweats and my hair up in a bun. <laughs> and I know a lot of guys. They like look like, okay, what does that mean? Like, but <laughs> yeah. girls get that right. Like, totally. Girls like that means I'm not trying to be my perfect self today. Yeah. I'm just rolling with it. And like you'll notice, like if a girl comes to school and she's wearing like her like winter boots or something, like high heeled boots, you're like, oh, she's having a good day. She woke up on time. She got a good parking spot. She's here to learn. She's here for it. You know, like 
Oh, and she then, woke up early if her hair like, is on point. Oh, her hair, like her hair looks good. Her outfit's good. She planned this the night before, you know, like you can tell when they're having a good day. And then you can tell when I show up in my Savers t-shirt and <laughs> BYU hoodie around my shoulders or something like, you know, and I'm just walking to class and everyone's like, wow, <laughs> she's having a rough day there. <laughs> I see you laughing, JP. What you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. I think I, I can tell exactly what Quincy's saying. Like, you know, when someone's having a good day with, well. <laughs> well, that's Not the thing. Like, that, that's like you think you know, but they're wait, exactly. gosh, maybe we don't know. Exactly, right? and it's like you, you're like you see from their outfit, but then you're like, are they happy? Are they sad? Like, are they okay? Like, are they having a good day? I guess what Quincy was saying, like, if you're rolling just like out of bed and your pajamas on or whatever, but you're still in a good mood, mm-hmm. I think that's where you can tell that they must be in a good enough place that they're secure with themselves. Yeah, and what they're wearing is not like the most important thing. Totally. I think that that it's kind of hard to find that line. But like for me, it's like if I'm wearing like sweats or something to school, like obviously like I don't care that much. And it's okay to show that like you're being lazy. Like it's okay to show that. Well, I think that's the difference between caring too much and just being chill with where you're at. Because think about how stressful it could be. And, you know, JP, and I know, you know, you, you have your own fashion, stuff like that. It can be stressful to have to wake up early, put all this time and energy into it. And some days we probably should just sleep in a little bit. We probably should just kind of let the day go on and not having that, you know, that social media persona in real life and just being real. I I think that's great. And I commend you on that, Quincy, for trying to do that as often as possible. Yeah. Because I think you're going to make yourself more inviting versus if you're just like a a human filter and like everything's on point. Totally. And like you said, sometimes it's good to just to lay in bed sometimes. And I think that's what is really hard from at least what I've learned is our parents want us to get up and want us to go to school because they don't want us to be at home and be sad. But sometimes it's okay to let your, let your kid just stay at home and just be able to, you know. a mental health day. Right. And be able to. And sometimes that's like kind of sounds stupid, like take a yeah. mental health day. Like, <laughs> come on, like, really, you're fine. Get up and go to school. But sometimes I do believe, like, for us just to be at home and be able to take a day off for ourselves is actually beneficial. And it's hard for our parents to see that because, like I said, it's not your, you don't have a knee brace on, you don't have a, a sling on your shoulder. But it's good for us because it lets us revamp ourselves in a way, you know? And I think it's good that, I'm not saying you're a bad parent if you're not letting your kid do this, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's, it's nice sometimes that if you, your parent realizes, like, you know, it is a bad day. Like, you, you, you're, you're, you're how am I stuttering? You know? Okay. No, I, I get what you're saying because in life, you know, life's not always going to be easy. We're, it's going to be hard at times, right? But sometimes we want someone to do us a solid or give us a, like, get out of jail free card. And if we're struggling through a certain difficult time, we want someone to notice our struggle and be like, hey, listen, I'm going to do you solid. You know, sleep in a little bit. You don't have to go to first period, whatever it may be. But even when I talk to parents, by the way, that's kind of one of the things that I suggest with parents a lot is that if you have a partnership with your teenager, you know, I I got lucky. This happened one time in high school. My brother never came home to visit. He played for the Miami Dolphins at the time. And my mom was like, hey, your brother's coming home next week. And I was like, sweet. And she's like, he wants to take you surfing in the morning. I'm like, yes. I'm like so (laughs) pumped. And she's like, but I told him you can't go because it's a school day or it's a school day. And I go, mom, 
I will do. And I just started rattling off. I'll go to class. I'll do this. Blah. And so she was like, okay. And this was old school before you could like, you know, check on Skyward. So she was like, you have to have every one of your teachers sign your homework slips. And I never, I wasn't really down on doing too much homework. That was the best week of my high school career because she was doing me a solid to help me out with my brother. Now, I'm not saying like it's always going to be a mental health day, but kind of do some sort of proper motivation what you're saying to let someone know, hey, if you're struggling, we'll help you out, but not giving them a pass to always get out of all their struggles because in these situations, I think it's very unique when you have a, a loved one or a friend pass away. Of course, your parents and schools are kind of give you a couple passes. On normal day life, it's just good if someone gives us a solid or even acknowledges that our struggle is real, especially if we're acknowledging it by sleeping in, by mm -hmm. saying, you know what, I, I was up late last night. Uh, I'm going to get to bed early. I mean, I'm going to get to bed. I mean, I'm going to wake up as early as I can <laughs> to go to school. But when I come back from school, I'm going to take a nap. You know, See, that's 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 the one I go with usually. You know, I, I was still teenagers. <laughs> you got to communicate that to your parents. If you just come home and crash. Then they're going to be like, wait, why are you so tired? What were you doing all night? They get suspicious. Yes. But if you tell them ahead of time, I've had a rough day. I need to come home, take a nap. Sometimes it's better to just let them know up front so that they can easily or more easily give you a pass. And I think it's hard because sometimes the best thing, sometimes for your parents, they think that's the best thing to say, but at that time it's the worst thing. Yeah, man. It's well, and now we're, now we're getting into a bigger topic. Because, you know, I, I talk about this a lot with parents and I'm always encouraging parents to be really, instead of asking your kid a bunch of questions about what their struggles are, you got to be able to like vibe them out first and to be able to give them a chance to know that they don't have to talk every time you want them to talk. Most parents come to me and say, my kid doesn't ever talk to me. And then I go talk to the kid and, or teenager and they'll say things like, well, I've tried to talk to my parents but they don't listen. They just ask me a bunch of questions. So I'm here, I'm sitting there going, well, obviously there's a problem. Let's figure out a solution. <laughs> One of the best solutions I found out, and I won't get into it really deep, but I'm assuming a lot of teenagers listen to this and young adults listen to this will be like, damn, that makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> I tell parents, just because you're stressed and worried and you want to talk to your kids about their day doesn't mean that they're in the right frame of mind to go over a day that they're trying to forget. Or maybe they didn't have a bad day. They're just tired. And they look like they're grumpy. So at that particular time, instead of going, hey, what's wrong? What's wrong? And set up for a bad argument to happen. Because usually if you ask your kid what's wrong and they don't want to talk and you pressure them, what do you think is going to happen? Anger. Angry. Anger. They're going to go, leave me alone. Or they put their headphones on, walk <clears> away. <throat> parents usually get pretty butthurt. They go, well, don't walk away from me. Or then even if the parents let you walk away, then they get angry and frustrated, start thinking about all the things they bought for you, all the things they've done for you. And this is the mm -hmm. way you're going to treat them and then they start taking it personal they just spiral they spiral exactly. a lot <laughs> well teens are spiraling and their parents are spiraling so i just suggest parents to do this and teenagers you can do this with your parents too but just tell the parents simply go to your kids say listen i don't know if you had a bad day i'm getting the vibe that something's off with you maybe it's a bad day maybe it's not if you'd like to talk about it i'd love to hear about it if not that's cool too and walk away now, if your parents did that, now, let's see, your mom better be doing that more often now. <laughs> we'll end on this. As teenagers, why do you think, assuming that them making those statements instead of pressuring you, ask you questions, why do you think the statements is just easier to deal with versus being asked a lot of questions 
after a long day? Lindsay? Um, I think that for me, like, if I go through a really hard day and I come home and I'm just, like, super bummed and my mom's like, okay, well, what happened? Like, what's wrong? Like, and I mean, she used, like, she would, she used to do that, but she does not, she doesn't do that anymore. Like, so you have a real like before and after. Oh, I have a like the real ten years before and, and then the ten years. <laughs> it's like your ten year your ten year emotional ten-year- conversations <laughs> with your mom. And the difference is night and day, people. Like my mom now, like when I come home, I am more like I want to tell her everything that happened, and I'm like, mom, guess what? Like, okay, and then she did this, and then she was yelling at us, and it was crazy, or like just stuff like that, and then, but if. Like, she's like, okay, well, what happened after that? Like, what did you do? Like, who said this? Like, what, what, like, and she just kind of like starts rambling on and asks more questions and she's getting more information. It's like, okay, well, like, I'm not, I'm not as excited to tell her because she's more excited to ask me questions than to get the actual story, you know? And like, I see the difference with her and my brother like that than I see like with me and her because like, we can just be like driving or going somewhere and I can just like tell her everything that happened, like super easily and super smoothly because I've already thought in my head like oh she's gonna ask me this so I already know like like how I'm gonna say it and stuff but like and she's asking my older brother and he's like so like where were you last night and he's like I was just out like okay wrong answer you know like and then the questions keep coming well who were you with how late were you out what were you doing you know like so are you saying when she used to ask you a bunch of questions when you come home that made you not want to talk to her because it was just more energy stressed you out but when she just started making statements, is that what caused you to start thinking, well, shoot, this is easy to talk to her because she's not trying to like get in all the different details of what happens because it's hard to tell if someone's investigating you or if yes. they're having a conversation with you. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say it. It's easy to tell if they're asking a lot of questions. It makes you feel like you're under an investigation uh-huh. and they're suspicious of something. Yeah, I definitely, definitely can vouch for that. Like it makes you feel kind of more like you're talking to your friend than... You're sitting at a table with a spotlight being like, well, where were you last night? What were you doing? You know, like. And who do teens typically open up and give more details to their friend or their parent? Their friend. And granted, it, you know, it's easy to say, well, a parent, you know, a, a friend's never grounded you or taken anything away from you. But I would argue that friends aren't sitting there saying, well, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. Well, how come you didn't? Well, how come you didn't say this back? And friends don't really question you like that. They'll usually like, no they don't way. Mama bear what? on you. Like, are you serious? What did you do? Like. They're like curious and excited instead of like, where were you the night of June 23rd, 7.13 p.m.? You're like, wait, what? <laughs> what do you think, JP? Yeah, I agree. And I think that, like Quincy said, is once we feel like we have a better relationship to be able to talk about our day and just explain what happened instead of them question after question after question after question, and you just don't even, you don't even have the energy after a bad day to answer them. Because it's like, you're using, you've already used your mind all day to be sad. So how how can I use my mind even more to to explain everything again after I'm trying to just forget today? So for all the parents out there that are eavesdropping on this podcast, I want you to answer this next question for me, JP. I get a lot of parents tell me, well, if I don't ask any questions, they'll never tell me anything. I try to tell them, I go, you don't understand. This is like Jedi mind trick stuff. This is like reverse psychology. <laughs> it is. If you chase the dog, it will run. If you stop and turn around, the dog's like, hey, where are you going? And then they run back home. You know, it's just kind of one of those things where you know what I'm saying? So, like, why don't you just comment for the parents that are eavesdropping on the podcast why that's not true if they just, if they make a statement, just say, hey, if you want to talk about your day, we'll use that example. If you want to talk about your day, let me know, 
and I'd be happy to hear about it. And if not, that's cool too. And walk away versus them trying to ask a bunch of questions when you're tired and frustrated after a long day. Why do you think it's actually basically give the parents a little, like a little confirmation, a little reassurance that your kids will eventually talk to you more. Right. For sure. Because it's like we've talked about before. It's you say, if you want to, I'm here for you. And then it's like you said, drop the mic and you walk away. So it leaves the, the teenager thinking like, wow, like I can actually go to them and talk to them about this. Like maybe I should, what can I say? And then it leaves them thinking for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, like, wow, maybe I, and then about this doesn't happen all the time, but say an hour later, you go talk to them because they left you that option to talk to them. It's not them standing there question after question. And you just, you're literally putting up a fence around you, not wanting to say anything because they, you're crying and they say, what's wrong? Like, oh, no. and it seems like for them, for them seeing you crying, they're like, oh, what's wrong? But no, 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 no. That is, the, I'm sorry. That is the worst or, thing. Or to it's hear even worse if your mom starts crying. See, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, great. Now, and that's what, yes. now, now my mom's mad at me. Now we've got two people crying. This right. is bad. And it's hard because you don't want to worry them, but you want to tell them how your day is. And them just asking the questions just builds up your brick wall around you and you don't even want to talk to them. But allowing them to give them the option. And giving teenagers the option is what they want. They want to be able to do this or not. And it wants, they want to have the power of doing it. I want to have the power of going there or not going there. I want to be the one in control of myself. So them giving me the option of saying, look, I'm here for you. If you want to, come talk to me. If not, like, that's not a big deal. I hope you had a great day today. Walk away. But you, the parent, standing there and saying, what's wrong? How can I help you? Oh, you're crying. I'm going to start crying. Like, it just makes the situation a lot worse than it needs to be. What do you think about that, Clint? Because you said options and yeah. like you get to, obviously you get to ch choose yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's usually big for most teenagers. Your whole entire life, you don't have a lot of options. You don't, things are chosen for you. But if you want to become an adult, you want to make your own choices and have options. I think that even if you're, even if your child is like, oh, you know what? I'll take a pass. Like, I don't want to tell you about my day. Like, that's not, that's not the end of it. Because there's always going to be tomorrow. There's always going to be another day where they come home super pissed or sad or like off the moon happy like and you can and you can just say well like hey you want to tell me about it that'd be super sick if not i'll be doing whatever you know like and it's not a bad thing if yeah, they don't come and talk to you it's not yeah. a bad thing that because they... the day will come where they will seek for your for your like comfort and for your opinion on things that have happened like and on your day and you've said to me before he's like i can't remember if it was you or somebody told me they said uh, there's always people aren't always going to be there for you except your parents your parents you live in their house we're teenagers we're always there with them so I feel like it's two in the morning and David's not answering my calls but I mean I walk into my parents room and that's obviously you're vulnerable and embarrassed to let them know you're not feeling good you're not feeling okay but to let them know and and have them there for you and obviously like I said it's hard to go be crying to your mom oh like I I feel so sad like that is the, that's the last thing you want to do because then she's going to, after you walk out, you know, she's going to immediately start crying. It's like as a kid, when you walk in, you're like, mom, I just threw up and you're like crying and they're like, oh my gosh. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody wants their parents to have their back and support them, but no one wants to feel like you're like the parents, like, you know, you know, service project or, you know, they're worrying about you. And at the end of the day, I mean, if you go talk to them then that's a real relationship. If someone has to always force you to talk, it just doesn't, 
feel like natural and organic. It feels so forced. And in any real close friendship, you can't force someone to be friends with you. You got to want to have that person's back and they got to want to have your back too. And, totally. you know, I, I, I'm, thanks for sharing that with you guys. I mean, Shane, thanks for sharing that you guys, because I tell parents all this all the time and I'm telling you 100% of the time, the parents that do this for longer than one day come back and be like, the craziest thing happened. My kid actually just randomly started talking to me and it only took like a couple of chances at it. Sometimes it takes a couple of days, but it blows their mind. And even if the kid doesn't really open up right away, they just start noticing the kid will come by and be like, Hey, thanks for dinner, mom. And the mom's like, wait, he said, thank you, mom. <laughs> for some people, that's like a huge win just yeah. for them because their relationship's not really good. But just have you guys, you know, vouch for that. That means a lot because a lot of you teenagers out there, you can do that for your parents too. You can say, listen, I do want to talk to you, but give me some space. I'm not saying I won't talk to you, you know, at some point, but just, you know, let me have a chance to come talk to you because wouldn't you prefer me come talk to you than you having to come chase me down? Mm -hmm. No parent's going to argue with that. They're going to be like, well, yeah, of course. Now, granted, a lot of parents be like, but you never do come talk to me if, if I give you space. Like, well, this time's going to be different. So sometimes you just got to like put it out there to kind of back them off a little bit, tell them to like chill out, pump the brakes. It's just hard for a lot of parents. A lot of parents are growing up being scared. You're their little babies and they see how scary the world is. And Post Malone's got face tattoos. And <laughs> next thing you're like, they're going to get a face tattoo. You're like, mom, I'm not going to get a face tattoo. Just a lip tattoo. Anyways, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, you know, I've had a lot of fun having you guys on here too. What do you guys think? Was it as, as scary and as bad as you thought it was going to be? Not at all. No, nope. it was good. <laughs> What were some of the, the, the biggest takeaways or some of the things that, I don't know, you vibed with uh, the podcast today? Uh, I think being vulnerable is a big thing. Like, showing up here is like, oh, dude, I'm so scared to talk. Like, I don't even know what I'm going to say. I have no clue where this conversation is going to go, but it's flow with it. And that's how it works. Um, I think find strength in your weaknesses and be willing to kind of drop the mic and walk away and be willing to open up even though it sucks and it's gonna suck for a long time it's gonna be super hard to open your heart up and open your open your mind up and tell people how you're feeling but the more that you do it the stronger you are and the easier the easier like your life gets I feel like well you guys heard it here um great suggestions that you guys just gave and and I don't know if you realize this or not but for everyone that's listening to this podcast you just shared with them some things that not just you figured out tonight, but that you've been figuring out through a lot of hurt and pain and through a lot of tragedy. And, you know, JP's heard me say this a lot, but you can turn that pain, you can flip that into some sort of purpose and some sort of passion because you're going to go through crappy things in your life. Just, dude, it'd really suck if you went through it alone. All right. You don't have to go mm -hmm. through it alone. So thanks for coming to the Still Tripping podcast and visiting us here so you don't have to go through it alone. And until next time, we'll probably still be tripping, but we're glad uh, we're not tripping alone. You're tripping with us. Late. <laughs>